We are handing out a handout to you right now. And I'm going to ask Brother Eddie to have our ushers to give these out to you. And uh, this statement of it may come as a surprise to you. It's called the Seven Resurrections. Seven Resurrections. And uh, we're going to break it down. As you know, I don't teach anything that doesn't back, is not backed by plenty of scripture. So uh, you'll be getting that just very quickly here. Everybody see that part? We move on up to seven there, so I'm going to start with uh, this part here like that. And that's what you're giving, being hand, given a handout, and we're going to talk to you about the seven resurrections. Everybody with me on that? All right. Praise God. Actually, the Bible speaks of two resurrections, and it talks about the first one having parts to it. And actually has six parts. There's two major resurrections. And actually those parts are broken down into distances apart from each other. So I'm going to get into this, show you in the scriptures where it, it all works together, how it works together. Uh, there is, a, well, let me just get into the scriptures and we'll look at it. And so when our handouts are there, everybody got a handout? You'll see it at the... Uh, the very bottom where it says number seven and it says a white throne, where it says John 5, 28 and 5, 38, 39, that should be 28 and 29. If you've got a pen, scratch out verses 38 to 39 and there's 28 and 29. That was an error. And uh, so I want you to turn with me, if you would, in 1 Corinthians. And uh, this is the resurrection chapter. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we uh, talked to you about the seven mountains of Israel. This is the seven resurrections. So we started using, playing off the word seven here in these two different lessons. And uh, I want you to look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you don't have this marked in your Bible, mark it. This is the resurrection chapter. It tells a lot of, it has a lot of detail about the resurrection. And it's very interesting and very important to know that in Christianity, the subject of the resurrection is very important because we are probably the only real religion in the world that believes in the literal resurrection because Jesus Christ literally rose from the dead. Most religions, their founders did not rise from the dead. It never happened. Jesus, though, rose from the dead, proving he was the Messiah. He was God manifest in flesh. Uh, there is some uh, religious groups, even among the Christian element, uh, who do not believe in the literal resurrection. And I won't get into detail who they are and so forth, but <clears throat> they do not believe in the resurrection. I said, what about Jesus Christ? Christ rose from the dead. They said, well, uh, no, he didn't. I said, what happened to his body? They said, we don't know. That's what they tell me. We don't know what happened to his body, but he didn't rise from the dead. I said, I know. I said, it's in the Bible. <laughs> it tells you. He rose from the dead. That's what happened. Praise the Lord. What happened to the body of Jesus? We don't know. I know. I'll tell you. Hey, listen now. Listen real carefully. He rose from the dead. Praise the Lord. So therefore, he is the first fruits of the resurrection. Look with us, if you would, please, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? 
But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? There's no resurrection at all. Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. Amen. Uh, let me just say one thing here and I'll move on. When Jesus in his earthly ministry prayed for some people, they were, they were risen from the dead. Lazarus, for instance, he brought Lazarus back from the dead. Four days he had been dead and buried. Buried meaning he was in the, in the cave in the rock. They rolled away the rock and he came out. So Lazarus rose from the dead after four days. Uh, the, the widow's son, Jesus rose him. He stopped the funeral procession, rose him from Jairus' daughter, just 12 years old girl. He rose, raised her from the dead. Uh, but those people all died again. Do you understand what I mean? They lived out their life, and then when they reached their time of going, they they died and they were buried like everybody else was. Only Jesus Christ rose from the dead, never to taste death ever again. Jesus Christ. He was the Messiah, of course. Now, I read to you here uh, the 14th verse in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Look at the 16th verse. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. In verse eighteen, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. So this is the fact. If there is no resurrection, so I'm trying to show you here how important it is to understand that the Lord has established the resurrection of the dead. The Bible speaks of Abraham that he believed that if he had slain his son Isaac, he literally believed this. If he had slain his son Isaac, God would have raised him back again from the dead. Even though it had never been done before or seen before, he believed God's word so powerfully because he knew that God had said, through Isaac shall your seed be, and will I bring forth a great nation and kings and so forth. So if it had to be from Isaac, then God would have had to have raised him from the dead, from, from his death, in order for that to be fulfilled. That's how powerful Abraham's faith was in what God had told him would happen. So the resurrection was believed by Abraham, though he had never seen this. Now the scripture goes on to tell us here in verse 20, uh, if you look at uh, number, uh, uh, number one there, I'm still here in number one. Uh, the introduction is what we just read. Now look at number one here. Uh, this is what I'm marked as the first resurrection, number one. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept? Everybody see that? Now, the word first fruits is very interesting because the word first fruits has to do with the feast days of, uh, of, of, the, of the Jewish calendar year. The Passover was around Easter time, and the first fruits was the Pentecost. The first Pente was Pentecost. So what they did was that they celebrated the Passover, and then the first fruits was at Pentecost. Then they had the general harvest that was over around the last of September, the first of October, which they had the general offering or the general uh, harvest, rather, that would come in. And then after that, they had straggly offerings that people could just go out and of their own will could glean the fields and so forth. And that would follow behind the general offer, the general, uh, the general uh, 
uh, intake of the fields and so forth. Uh, so what I'm pointing out to you here is that this resurrection follows those feast day factors. Jesus Christ was crucified on the eve of the Passover, for instance. Pentecost fell on the day of Pentecost. On the, on the eve of the Passover. The Pente Pentecost, that is the first fruits, was when the, the Holy Ghost was first poured out. And then, then finally, of course, there's going to be the general resurrection of the church and so forth uh, over in the fall of the year, the year being the period of time that God has chosen for all this to go through. So when the Bible here speaks about Jesus Christ being the first fruits, that means that he is the beginning that was like would be Pentecost, but the big harvest is yet to come. I'm going to read one other verse to you here, verse 23, and uh, this is the, uh, the next one that's mentioned. This is number two here, and if you look on your chart, you'll see where it talks about the church. Now, it says here on Jesus is the first fruits, and then the church. If you look at the church part here, number two. Everybody with me there? If you look at verse 23, but every man in his own order... Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Now, if you want to put Mark in there, put us right there. <laughs> us. That don't mean USA either. That means us. That means you and me or, or saints or whatever word you want to put there. So anyhow, this mentions here the scriptures concerning the rapture and the coming of the Lord for the church. Now, underneath the word church that you have on your, on your handout here is the word the rapture. And uh, so what has happened, Jesus Christ is the first fruits of the first resurrection. We are the uh, first resurrection, the rapture of the church. So I'm going to give you some scripture. Everybody still with us? All right, I'm going to get you into Revelation here in a few moments. Uh, look at 1 Thessalonians 4. Now, some of these scriptures are old hat with you, and I'm very much aware of it. But uh, if you look in uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 13. Let me find it myself here. Okay. First Thessalonians, I'm sorry, First Thessalonians 4. I've got extra scriptures here, and I'm, I don't think we're going to go to those. All right, here we go. Look at First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. This is very familiar to many of you, and I know it is. It's the rapture, one of the rapture scriptures. If you look, uh, starting here, we've got there in your notes, 13 through 18, Look at verse 13, but I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that's those who have died, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord and by them that, uh, and we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or pre-event the word here is actually pre-event. Uh, the, uh, the old English had one, did not have the extra E in there as we would have it, pre-event. But the coming of the Lord shall not pre-event, that is, take hap happen before them which are asleep. In other words, the dead shall rise first. We will not be raptured before the dead are, are resurrected. It happens, then the dead, and then the alive. So that's why I said here, that the life in Christ shall rise. Then look at verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, 
with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the, with the Lord. And this word soul here implies that we're going to be with him from then on forever and forever. And in that fashion, we do not yet know how we shall appear, but we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. We'll be like him. Uh, the Bible says we'll have a glorified body like as unto his glorified body. When the rapture takes place, we which are alive, the dead in Christ first, and we which are alive, amen, our bodies will change, be changed to a glorified body. Praise the Lord. And we'll have a glorified body like as unto Jesus' glorified body. What kind of body was that? Well, we don't know, but when Jesus went up and when he ascended into heaven at the Mount of Olives, and that he went up and those two angels told those apostles, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing into the heavens? The same Jesus that you see go away shall so come again in like manner. But when Jesus went up, he just kept going up. He was glorified at that point. So that after that, even when Paul saw him on the road to Damascus, he was shining brightly like a, like the noon, brighter than the noonday sun, as the Bible says. So the glorified body of Jesus is a, it's a powerful thing, and that's what you and I will have. So he is the first fruits, and then we are the resurrection of having a body that would be a glorified body that would be like him, that will be forever and ever. Folks, let me just say this to all of us here today. The fact that you're sitting here and you're alive and you are breathing air, you have an existence. Number one, thank God he gave us our existence. He gave us our existence that we even exist. In addition to that, our existence is not just for a season of time on this earth, but now he has opened the door for us to have eternal life. Not eternal life as some spirit, but as a glorified body like as unto his glorified body. Jesus Christ left his body when he was crucified, his spirit and soul, and he came back into that body, and that body was resurrected. At the resurrection, our bodies are resurrected. I'll give, you, I'll give you a Bible study on this sometimes because some people don't believe that. But the body is resurrected, praise God. And whenever it is, it is glorified like as under his glorified body. We do not yet know how we shall appear, but we'll be like him. That's all that matters to me, we'll be like Christ, we'll look like him. Hallelujah. And I like that verse of scripture where it says, we'll walk with him in white. Hallelujah. Praise God. We'll be with the Lord. Amen. Don't you love the Lord? He has a wonderful plan of salvation for his people. Amen. Let me move on here. I'm in this, uh, in this uh, second part here about the church. And uh, we read down here through the 18th verse. Uh, I think I read the 16th verse. Let me finish reading here. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I think we did read that. Now, going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, this I told you a while ago was the resurrection chapter. And if you'll go back to that uh, 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians for a moment. And if you look a little further on, he tells about how uh, this resurrection that he's been talking about will happen. 
And if you look down in verse 50, this is in your notes now. If you look down in verse 50, we'll pick up 50 and 51 here. This is 15 and verses 50 and 51 of 1 Corinthians. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That is, we won't all die. But we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, this is how fast it will be. For the trump God shall sound, trumpet of God shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible. You see that? There was no corruption. And we shall be changed. That's the ones that's alive. For this corruption, that is those that have died, must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. Praise God. And so, and there's many other scriptures that back and confirm that. I'm not going to go any further with it. Only to talk to you here about Jesus Christ being the first fruits of the first resurrection. And we are the general resurrection, the church. I'm going to say one other thing here before I move into the revelation part here. And that is that this is the greatest, the greatest reward that God will ever give on this earth. That is in the duration of mankind is that of the church, folks. The church is God's body. This is Jesus' body on earth. And he has put his spirit in us. That's, that is a, that's a compliment to us, that God would put a measure of his spirit inside of us, that he would entrust us with the spirit of God, which is holy. He puts his Holy Spirit in us. This is why you don't want to mess around with sin. You don't want to mess around with unbelief. You don't want to mess around with carnality. It ain't worth it. Excuse my English. It ain't worth it. Praise the Lord. Stay in the faith. Stay in the truth. Walk with God. And we all may go through things from time to time, tough times and situations, but the Lord knows all about it. He's got his hand on us. He's looking out for us. And we have to say, God, I'm going to stay faithful to you. And one day, one day, the trumpet will sound. And one day we'll walk streets of gold. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. Praise the Lord. But we just stay faithful to God and God will do it. Now, I want to move into this other part here that you have on your screen here. And that is the tribulation Gentiles. This is another part of the resurrection. And I want you to look with us here in number three. We're moving right on down the line here. Go to Revelations chapter three and... Uh, Uh, number three, I'm sorry, Revelation 6, 9 is what we want. Revelation 6, 9. It was number three on your chart there. Revelation 6, 9. And uh, Revelation 6 is all about the judgments of God that's falling. The rapture has already happened. It's already taken place. The judgments of God have come on the earth. This sixth chapter spells it all out. Horses, the red, white horse, the red horse, the black horse, the pale horse, all that. And then he comes to verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also 
and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. This is not the church. The church is alive in the dead in Christ. These in the sixth chapter and the, what we're going to read in a moment in the seventh chapter are all slain. And it's during the tribulation period whenever the church is taken out of the world. You know, the Bible says we're the salt of the earth. And uh, the, the, uh, the, earth, the, the church keeps something. Well, let me say it this way. If you've got meat and you salt it down, anybody that knows how to do stuff like that, they salt it down real good. That salt will preserve the meat. How many understand what I mean? Salt meat? You ever had that? They used to call it, when I was a kid, they called it lamb bacon. They lamb it against the wall, knock all the salt off. Then they could cut it up and fry it. Lamb bacon, they called it. It wasn't lamb. It was actually pork side, you know. But they called it lamb bacon. They lambed it against the wall. Bang, knocked all the salt off. But you could salt meat down. The church is the salt of the earth. We hold back the spoilage of the judgments of God on this world. But when the church is taken out, this world is going to go crazy. It is. And when it does, everything in the world is going to happen. There's going to be a lot of people that will say, oh, my God, what happened? We, 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 we were, I didn't have the Holy Ghost. I didn't have, uh, we weren't baptized right, whatever it is. And they are going to say, uh, you know, I, I still believe in Jesus some way or another. And the Bible goes on to say here that many of those people will be killed for their, their testimony and the word of God they hold. This is not the church. These are called tribulation saints. Let me say one thing here. In every dispensation of time, there is a standard by which people have to live to be the saint of God. There are saints in the Old Testament, but they weren't baptized in Jesus' name or filled with the Holy Ghost, but they were saints. In the New Testament, a saint is a person who has been baptized, repented of their sin, been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and living the life. And you're a saint of God, and the Bible talks about all through the scriptures here. And the tribulation period, the saint of God will be somebody who is willing to give their life for what they, what they believe in the Lord. So this sixth chapter here talks about some of these tribulation people that will be slain for the word of God and they will be killed during the tribulation period. Let's move into the next part of that. If you look at the tribulation saints here, there is Revelation 6, uh, 9 through 11. There's also Revelation 7, 9 through 17. So go to chapter 7 and this is in verse 9. These are the ones that the ones in chapter 6 said, wait until these others be slain as you were. Everybody still with me? Look at the ninth verse. After this, I beheld in law a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations, kindred people, and tongues. Again, these are all Gentiles. No Jews involved here. All Gentiles. Stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Now, let me just say one thing here. The reward of the tribulation saints is less than that of the church. Palms in their hands denotes a service position. They will be servants in heaven. The church will be the bride of Christ. The Bible even refers to the church as being the wife of the Lord. The wife, that's all the way over in the, in the 19th chapter. But the bride of Christ is our position. It's the highest honor. The Bible says that we were made lower than the angels, but he, the reward, and that speaks of Jesus Christ, the reward of being a glorified body and all will be higher than the angels. So I'm just trying to tell you here how valuable and how important it is to be a part of the body of Christ. If you have had the privilege to hear the gospel and you have believed on the Lord, 
and you have come to an altar of repentance and been baptized in his name and you have sought God for the Holy Spirit and if you don't have it, don't give up till you get it. Just keep asking the Lord for it. He's promised to give it. And receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the highest position you can have on this earth. And in the tribulation period, what will be required is for them to give up their life, lay down their life for the word of God and the testimony to hold. And that's what will happen. So in this ninth verse here, chapter seven, these white robes were given to them and palms in their hand, denoting that they have a position of, ser of, of servants. Look down in verse 13. I'm going to finish reading this. And uh, verse 13, one of the elders answered saying unto me, what are these which are arrayed in white robes and which came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which, are, which came out of great tribulation. That is, out of the great tribulation that we know about this coming. And I washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. Praise the Lord. And they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither is the sun light on their head in any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them into everlasting fountain of water. And God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes. That these are what is called the Gentile tribulation saints or the tri tribulation uh, people of God that God will harvest. We will come in afterwards. Praise the Lord. So while the church is God's main harvest, there's going to be also the gleaners that will come in after that. So in that number three on your notes there that you're looking at, handout, and if you came in late, uh, trust that you have, a, you have a handout. But the uh, tribulation Gentiles that are saved. Now we go to uh, number four here. These are the two prophets, and this is chapter 11. So all of you, if you will, if you're in your Bible, I go to chapter 11. <clears throat> Starting in 11.1, no more Gentiles are saved here in the tribulation period. No more ever. This is all over with for the Gentiles. The Bible talks about that the time of the Gentiles is over with. And the Bible says that, I'll read verse 2 just to make it clear, 11.2. This is not in your notes, in your scriptures there. But the cord which is without the temple, leave out measure not, for it's given unto the, temp unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months, three and a half years. And it mentions three and a half years because it's referring back to Daniel's description of a seven-year period that's broken into half into two parts. I won't go into detail on that. And then in verse 3 it says, And will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, again three and a half years. So uh, I'm not going to get into the detail on that, only to say no more Gentiles saved after the 11th chapter, but God sends the two prophets. Now here's what happens in 11.7. Everybody still with me or is this as clear as mud? Okay, all right. Look at 7. And when they shall have finished their testimony, these two witnesses, and uh, the two witnesses will be Moses and Elijah. I won't take time to go into that, but that's made very clear in uh, verses uh, 6, where it talks about they will do the miracles that they did in the days of their prophecy. And when you read it about turning water to blood like Moses did and smiting the earth with all kind of plagues like they did and calling fire down from heaven like Elijah did, so forth, you, run, you understand that it'll be those two prophets. Somebody wants to put Enoch in there because he was translated, but Enoch was not a Jew, he was a Gentile. 
is a Gentile. There were no Jews in, in the days of Enoch, and no Jews before Abraham. So therefore, Enoch is not one of them. But even though he was a righteous man, they were all Gentiles back then. This is speaking of Jews only here. And it uh, gets into detail here more about it later on. It talks about having, having singing the song of Moses and of the Lamb, which means they have accepted Jesus as the Messiah. Look at verse 7 here. And when they shall have finished their testimony, these two prophets are these two witnesses, their testimony will be to the Jewish people after the rapture has taken place. And when all this devastation has come on the earth, and some Gentiles have been taken out of, the, out, of, out of the earth as well, raptured. God will turn back only to the Gentiles and they will become the people, I mean the Jews. They will become the people of God. He'll send these two witnesses. And they will preach to the Jews, Jesus Christ was your Messiah. And the 12th chapter of Zechariah, which I'll not go into, we don't have the time for it, but talks about God sending them the spirit of grace. And all of a sudden, when they hear the gospel preached, the spirit of grace will come on them and they will understand and their eyes will be opened, not literally, but spiritually. And they will say, my Lord, Jesus Christ was actually our Messiah. And these two prophets, who are the greatest two prophets of all Israel, Moses and Elijah, they, these two prophets are telling us Jesus was our Messiah and we never knew it. Our, forefathers, our fathers didn't do it. We didn't know it. We didn't, we didn't understand it. And all of a sudden they will understand that and they go down on their knees, 12th chapter of Zechariah, read it sometimes. They will pray and seek God and call on God. Almost a half a chapter talks about them seeking the face of God and God will give them the spirit of grace. You see, that's what you and I have today. We have the spirit of grace that God has given us. We have grace. If you come into a Pentecostal church and a preacher preaches and you feel conviction, that's the grace of God. You say, oh, I, you know, I feel funny. I feel, I feel, feel like I want to get out and go outside. I don't know how to feel. I feel, I feel like I'm an old sinner. That's exactly what we are when we first come into the house of God. You know, we don't feel all right out there sinning, but we come into the house of God. The spirit of God show, shines that light upon us, spiritual light. And all of a sudden we realize how dirty we are. And some people don't like that feeling. That's the grace of God. That's God saying, I love you and I want you to be saved. I want you to know where you are now. And I want you to also know what I'm going to give you if you will come, before, come to me. And of course, an altar is simply a thing that we have to say, here's where you can repent. And this is where you can make a decision to be baptized. This is where you can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But you can get it front pew, second pew, all, listen, don't ever try to be way in the back. Always get down close. Get down to the front where the glory comes out, you know. Uh, get under the spout where the glory comes out. That's the old saying we used to say. So I'm just trying to say here, God wants us all to have this. Hallelujah. And so uh, the Jewish people will receive it. And this seventh chapter talks about it. Now, uh, Look here what it says in the seventh verse. When they shall have finished their testimony, Jesus Christ being the Messiah, the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Verse 8, and their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. What city is that? The next line tells us where also our Lord was crucified. So it's speaking of Jerusalem here. These prophets will be killed in Jerusalem. Their street bodies will lay in the streets of Jerusalem. And for three days and a half, three and a half days, verse 11, 
And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from the Lord entered into them. And they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. Excuse me. <coughs> and uh, verse 12, and they had a great voice, they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies beheld them. Now, this is where the two prophets, and this is number four in your handouts. These are the two prophets. So this number four, the two prophets ascended into heaven. No more Gentiles saved after that. And uh, Jews from then on become the people of God in the tribulation period. So that when we go to number five here, this is talking about tribulation Jews who are slain, who give their life and so forth. So I'm going to have you go to chapter 12, chapter 12 and verse 11. And uh, we're going to talk about the Jewish people here, the Jewish saints of God. They will be God's people during that tribulation period. And this, it all begins back in Daniel where the Lord gave Daniel the understanding of it. Look at 1211, 1211. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Speaking of the Jews now, I'm jumping very quickly here to save time, of course. Chapter 13, verse 15, 13, 15. This is all speaking about the first group of Jews that are slain. And he had power to give life unto the image. This is speaking of the Antichrist and of the beast, and that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as should not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Because the Jews will be the people of God, many of them will not worship the, the beast or the image of the beast that, will be, that the Antichrist will bring forth, and they will be killed. You understand here? We're showing you here in these scriptures where that they are killed or where they are slain. Now, the same group of people, the same group of people that are slain in the, in the 12th, chapter here of Revelation and in the 13th chapter of Revelation in your notes there that I gave you your handout it shows you here where also they are resurrected. Look at Revelations 15 Revelation 15 and I'm going to go here and it's in your notes there uh, Revelations 15 verses 2 and 3 everybody got your notes? You still with me? Alright if you got your Bible Verses, chapter 15, verse 2, And I saw as it were a great sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. This is the resurrection of that group. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the song of the Lamb saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord Almighty, just and true are thy ways, O the King of Saints. So what I'm showing you here is this is the resurrection of that first group of Jews that are slain here under the Antichrist during that period of time. Now then, we're going to go to the second group of Jews, tribulation Jews that are slain. Everybody still with me? But not very many hands. Are you still with me on this? All right. Okay. God love you. Amen. Let's go to, to number six here in your chart. I'm, I'm assuming here that you've got one in your hand, and of course, number six is right here. And uh, if you, if you, uh, we're following that. And uh, if you'll look with us in Revelation 16 now, Revelation 16 
and look at verse 6. This is where some are slain. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and they have given them blood, given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. This is speaking of these wicked ones that are here. And then going over to Revelations chapter 20 and 4, 20 and 4, this sort of puts a cap on it all here. This is the second group, 20 and 4. I'm not there yet either. All right, here we go. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Because following the tribulation period, there will be a thousand years of peace. And it says they will rule and reign when these Jews will dominate, they will have preeminence during that thousand years of peace. Look at verse 6 very quickly. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Now, all of this is part of the first resurrection. Everybody with you, you understand what I'm saying here? These are all parts of it. First, Jesus Christ, first fruits of resurrection. Then there's the rapture of the church. Then there is two groups of tribulation, Gentile tribulation saints. And then there is the prophets, the two prophets. And then there's two groups of Jewish uh, tribulation saints that are taken up. And it says, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. I'm reading here from Revelations 20 and 6 hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So I'm trying to show you here that these are people that God has ordained here that's going to be in what we call here this part of the first resurrection. And, uh, and then I've got in your line there, and this is right under number six, this line right here, if you look at this, uh, this scripture in your notes here. Revelation 26, and we just read that verse of Scripture to you here. The above all receive, are, are all part of the first resurrection are blessed and holy. All these from the church to the Jewish martyrs, praise the Lord. And so they are all part of the Jesus Christ first fruits in the church. And then uh, the Gentile saints in the tribulation, two groups of them, and then the, the prophets, and then the two groups of the Jewish uh, Martyrs that are also killed during the tribulation people. Now go to number seven here with me. Number seven. This is the last one on your on your handout there. Let me push this up here where you can see it. The rest of the dead. Okay. Now look, you're right there in chapter twenty, and we've just read four and six. Let's look at number five. Everybody looking at that verse, the one in between. But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This, <coughs> speaking of what we just got through covering, is the first resurrection. Okay? This is the first resurrection. But the rest of the dead live not until the thousand years were finished. Uh, and then it goes on to talk about verse 7 here, when the thousand years are expired and so forth. And so forth. Now, when you come to the very end, there's another resurrection. 
the very end of time, thousand years, uh, which there's peace on the earth for a thousand years. Let me just say one word there. This is called millennial period of a thousand years of peace. That will come on the earth. You and I will have a glorified body. We will be with Jesus. Don't even worry. You say, where will we be? I will be. I don't know, but the Bible says God has prepared a holy city for us, streets of gold, gates of pearl. And if I understand it right, just as Jesus Christ in a glorified body could be glorified, bright, or he could be just very, he could look like a human if he wanted to, you know. He appeared, you know, could appear like that. Uh, I'm just trying to say with our glorified body, it's possible that we'll have access to the earth and to heaven, probably so. But we'll be over all of that. And so, and be a thousand years of peace on this earth. Excuse me. And the Jewish people as a nation will rule the world for a thousand years in love, in peace, in harmony. There will be no more wars. Satan will be bound a thousand years. Satan will be bound, so there'll be no more war. Did you know the animals will not even eat meat? The Bible says that the lion and the, and the lamb will lay down together. And the ox and the, and the whatever, some other animal, the lion, they'll eat straw like an ox. Uh, they'll, uh, everybody, there'll be no eat meat-eating animals. It'll be like it was before the flood. Did you know that was the way it was before the flood? That's why Noah could take all those animals on board. There's no meat-eating animals on that ship. It was after the flood that God changed their nature and also gave the change of nature of man. Men were all vegetarians before that. After that, they were meat-eating animals. I can show you in Scripture, but we're not going there today. <clears throat> very, very simple. But it'll go back to that in, in a thousand years of peace. will be no poisonous snakes. Children can play with snakes that are poisonous today. They won't be poisonous then. They won't be mean, biting, and all that stuff and so forth. So I'm just trying to say that there'll be a thousand years of peace. And after the thousand years of peace is all over with, uh, there's going to be a white throne judgment. I did not bring my chart to show you that. I could have showed you the chart how. But at the very end of time, God is going to have a white throne. And that's what we're coming to right now. So I'm going to have you, if you would, to look at number seven here. And chapter, uh, we, look, we looked at 20 and 5. I want you to go to 20 and 11. Go to 20 and 11. Everybody there with me? And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, look at this closely, small and great stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The books I believe represents the Bible. The books were opened. And the book that was opened, no, 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 no S there, is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Notice everything's works. No faith involved here. This is how men lived. All men from the beginning of time now will be judged. Some will be judged righteous, some will be judged holy, because everyone has not heard the gospel of truth. Everyone has not heard. There, there, there's millions of people in India and China that's never heard the name Jesus. They've never even heard the word. And so they're not saved. But at the end of time, God's going to judge everybody that has ever lived on the face of the earth. That's why that verse of Scripture, and I, I keep saying it, and I apologize to you, but... 
We'll walk with him in white. Walk with him in white. Folks, just think about all the people that have ever lived on the face of the earth. All the people on the face of the earth that's ever lived, and they'll all be there at that white throne judgment. And you and I will walk with Jesus, you know, as he comes up to his throne to judge the world. We'll walk with him in white. What a privilege. I mean, what a, what a, what a position we'll have. Don't lose what you've got. And we're living in those days in which the, the world will try to sap it out of you, draw it out of you. Don't let it happen. You said, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to hold on to God. And one day I'm going to walk in white with Jesus. One day I'm going to walk on streets of gold. One day, hallelujah, that the Lord's coming back and I'm going to be ready to go when he comes. Hallelujah. And I'm just telling you, the Lord loves you more than you'll ever realize that, that he loves you. I'm going to finish this up and we're going to close out here. But it says here in this verse of scripture, Verse 12, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open. The books were judged out of the word, and according to their works, I mentioned that. Verse 13, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and hell delivered up the, de the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And that's eternal, eternal death. And the ones, praise the Lord, who were found that were written in the book of life, they'll have a place on the new earth, the new earth. There'll be a new heaven, a new earth. We won't get into that. But it will not be the same reward as the church. It'll be the reward of the righteous, but it will not be the reward of the holy. The holy can only be done by the Holy Ghost being in you. Holy men of old speak because they were moved on the Holy Ghost. Those prophets and all, they were holy men and women and everything. And you and I, praise the Lord, are made holy by the Holy Ghost. That's why the Lord would not allow the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, people that blaspheme the Holy Ghost. We don't allow that. That's God putting his spirit in his lowest form is put it in humanity. And people then that will blaspheme the Holy Ghost, the Lord said, no way, I'm not going to put up with that. But if you love God, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost and say, then if you just love with all of your heart, folks, I'm telling you, God has got something great for the church. This is the time to walk with God. Let's have prayer. Let's go have church. Let's worship God. When you come to the house of God, don't mess around with cell phones and mess around with checkbooks. And I've seen it all, you know, whispering in the church and all that kind of stuff. Let's worship the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Let's glorify his name. One day it'll happen. Praise the Lord. And when it does, you come up to me and hug me and say, thank you, Brother Byron, the word of God that you gave us. Amen. It'll be my honor. God bless you. Let's all stand.